Tree and Press's new, well, not so new, Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm here with a special author today, Vivian. I'm going to put your last. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Vivian I Shambura. am horrible at names. So as long as we get the first name right, we're good. And you have a couple books out. We're going to start with Everyday Magic. Oh, okay. Good. So what got you to write this first book? Well, Everyday Magic uh, is a memoir. I wrote it about my life from the time um, I was aware, which was about three, four years old, until the time I established a school for training healers called Four Winds Academy for the healing arts and sciences. And that, uh, I grew up in South Africa. I, I, I moved here when I was in my mid thirties and uh, I established Four Winds Academy here in Ohio where, where we live now. Oh, and, what um, part of Ohio are you in? I'm in Cincinnati. Really? Just, yeah. just hum, hop and a skip and a jump away for my current location. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, it's been a wonderful, place to live Cincinnati mm -hmm. people kind of make fun of it I think a little bit and it and you see in the movies they'll refer to it as a joke or or something like that but actually it's a wonderful place to live and it has an, a very very magical um, energy to it apparently it's built on a bed of crystals I don't know if it's true or not I've heard people say that but I can attest that there's a very unique energy here in Cincinnati and in fact, I was reflecting on it. And then I asked a client of mine, uh, why do so many healers move to Cincinnati? And she said, well, that's because it's on the developing chakra of the earth. And I said, what? What are you talking about? I had no idea what she was talking about. And the next week when she came for her following appointment, she brought me a book mm -hmm. and showed me this map of a dove and where the developing chakras of the earth are and there is a developing chakra apparently um, that is manifest around Toronto, Cincinnati and Louisville, Kentucky and then one week later believe it or not out came the sort of best places to live in the U.S. according to whichever magazine mm -hmm. and they listed Cincinnati, Toronto and Louisville. Uh, it, it was weird. It mm -hmm. was weird. We, we, we came in the top four out of the top 10 and there on that developing chakra of the earth. So that was an eye opener, but it wasn't only that magazine. It's actually Edgar Casey was asked, where's the most spiritual place on earth? And he replied, Cincinnati, Ohio, believe it or not. And I read that in the newspaper. And I also read in the newspaper in the days when newspapers were viable um paper horses and news <laughs> in the news <laughs> that too. not so funny though um anyway uh russian psychics in uh i think it was about 1917 were asked to determine the most uh, the power spot on earth the spiritual power spot on earth and they too determined it to be cincinnati ohio usa and I thought those were in three interesting things that came to my attention all in the same two weeks. And actually, I've included the information in my book, Everyday Magic, towards the end of it, as I get from growing up in South Africa during the apartheid years, 
with my brother who was, uh, he was gay. And um, although here now I should say LGBTQ. And, um, and growing up in South Africa during that time, then moving to this country and just experiencing the extraordinary and strange magic of life. And that's why I titled the book, Everyday Magic. And um, to me, the paradox, it paradox contains truth. Mm -hmm. And many, many moments in our lives are so paradoxical. And that's where the everyday magic lies, inside that paradox where things switch from yin to yang and change. And that is where you can find the truth. In that moment of change, in the middle of that paradox, that's where we get these moments of sanity and truth and miracles and magic. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're into the crystals and the, all this magic but at the same time there's truth in this there is if you think about your life from birth to wherever you're at in life when you have that moment of change what could be a divorce it could be a death it could be a new birth it could be whatever that moment of change is that's when you find your truths that's right yes and 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 inside your disappointment is your greatest hope but you must also remember that inside your greatest hope can lie your disappointment mm -hmm. and working constructively and consciously and with awareness with that you can deliver the best part of life to yourself whereas if you work negatively with that you will go on a downer and it's that's the choice we must make are we going to let this moment take us up or are we going to let this moment take us down and, and it can be either way yeah, and it's so hard to do, and I can contest to this. I try to be the most upbeat, positive thinker ever, it, but I'll get in these little moments of down, of doubt, and go, this is not happening, I can't do this anymore, and it brings everything down, and then it stops. Whatever yeah. you're doing for that positive momentum stops. Exactly, exactly, and and I, I have these little um, sayings that I've developed for myself. And one of them is that the thing and its opposite live in the same space. So of course, that is a, a clear derivation from my everyday magic concept. And I just remind myself of that. And then there's a saying that we have, it's always darkest before the dawn. And that is true. And so I have learned that when I hit that moment of, I can't do this anymore, this is just too much, it's too horrible, it's too hard. Then mm -hmm. I know the magic is coming and I've, I've taught myself to observe that. I'm a great empiricist. I'm always observing what happens, how does it happen and what happens next. And on the basis of that, I can really say it is always darkest before the dawn. And when we get to that lowest moment and that point of despair, that is actually when we can sit back and wait and watch because we'll see if we don't disrupt the energy flow, we'll see the bounce back upwards. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and sometimes we do have to do something. It's not like we can be passive, but it's a moment of great awareness. And if we can bring our consciousness and our awareness into these moments, our lives become completely different from how they, they would do. otherwise be. They do, because we have to make the choice every day. Are we going to do something positive or are we going to stay in this negative, 
the negative Nelly, my friends call it, is just being down. Oh, what was me? I can't do anything. Are you going to stay there or sit back and go, wait, what can I do to change not only my mood, but the outcome of my life? Exactly. And that's what we want to do. We want to learn how to change. Otherwise, we're going to just repeat this, not only the same pattern in this lifetime, but possibly, and most probably in my view, more lifetimes. We'll just keep coming back until we learn. Yeah, we do. It's perfectly thing. We have so many motivational speakers rising up right now to teach people to think positive, to look for the everyday magic, to look for the everyday blessings, to look for how to get yourself built up. That it's becoming a real movement within the last 30 years or so with your Brad Laser, those who do the crystals, those who do um, metaphilology, probably Bertrand that how this pronounced that, but all the spiritual learning, all the motivational learning within the last 30 years is, wait, we have to start thinking from a different perspective. This is true. And we need to understand things in a different way. And uh, I think it's with that insight and understanding that we can make the best conscious progress. Now, after Everyday Magic was guided lessons than your next book? Uh, yes, uh, actually that, that was in the wings mm -hmm. and I'll explain a bit about that. But the next book that I wrote was with my friend Drew Logan and it was How to Lose Weight and Gain Money. Okay. And, um, and, and that one we wrote in 2004, we published that one. And that was a program for putting your life in order. And um, it's actually one of the best pieces of writing I've done. But what I didn't realize was that if you uh, write a book, you've got to make sure it fits into an existing category. And there were no other books <laughs> that combined oh. weight and money. <laughs> so. okay. let's, let's break that down a little bit, okay? I'm a very mathy person, okay? So I love my math. Food costs X amount of money every day. So if you're not spending, if you're spending half of that, you're going to lose weight and you're still going to keep half that money for your pocketbook. <laughs> that is one way to look at it. And it's, and it's the sort of simplest, most superficial way to look at it. But yeah. it has a dynamic to it that does actually count. But actually what we do is it's as if weight and money are the two icebergs of our lives and of our incarnation. Uh, both of them, when we die, we have no what, it doesn't go with us. Our weight does no longer matter. How much money we have makes no difference. doesn't go with us when we die. And these are the two dynamics in our lives that teach us about life on planet Earth, what it is to be incarnated. Because once we have a physical body, we need to take care of what we put inside it. That's our food. And that's going to determine our weight and our nutrition and so on. And we are going to need money if we're incarnated here on earth. And so we're forced into dealing with these two very, very strong issues. And we either do them well or we don't. And so the, what the book is about is understanding what the link is between those two icebergs. And we call that the bridge. 
and we look at the similarities and we see what people do. So some people have exactly the same dynamic going on with weight and money. I'll give you an example. I had a client who needed bypass surgery because she was overeating and had become too overweight. So she had bypass surgery to deal with making sure that the food did not get into her system mm-hmm. and didn't get absorbed and didn't make her fatter and fatter. But then with her money, she couldn't handle her finances either. So she literally had to have a bypass system for her money too. She had to, um, had to get an accountant to run her finances because she was absolutely hopeless with managing her money. And so you'll see that's a parallel track. Now, other people can be in compensation when it comes to weight and money. So they'll deprive themselves financially and they'll be strict and Mm self-disciplined and they'll eat whatever they want to, to make up for the fact that they won't let themselves spend their own money. Mm -hmm. And then you can, and you can get it. So you can be in compensation or you can be parallel with the two. But it's very interesting to see how different people coordinate the two dynamics of their weight and their money. It's, it's actually a fascinating topic. Um, very deep. Yeah. Very much to do with our incarnation. I mean, when you get into, okay, you're trying to help people understand the way. And we have so many, we have shows out there now that are actually touching on what you wrote about. And um, just for one of the shows would be 600 pound life. If you look at, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm sorry, I'm, I watched the show. Um, they can't manage their own weight because they lie to themselves yes. about what they're eating. Yes. They lie to themselves what they're spending on what they're eating. So they yes. can't manage their finances. And they Correct. can't manage their weight. Correct. So they put this into a little show, an hour, half hour show, but it's spotlighting everything you just wrote about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we did, actually, we did a lot of uh, radio shows. We did a radio tour with the book. It did really well, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't get off the, the sort of, it didn't get into the popular stream of things. And I may, I, I may bring it back again and redo the cover and do an ebook and, you know, because it is very current and always will be. As long as we're alive, we're going to have weight and money issues. It's a, it, 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 I was sad that the book didn't do better because it's one of my best pieces of writing. And I'm all about empowering people. I'm a teacher, you know, I just love to teach, mm-hmm. love to empower people. I love to see people develop their potential. That's my personal mission in life is to help people develop their potential. I think that human potential is our most amazing resource and uh, we can see what we do with it. Some people go ahead and truly develop their potential, but so many of us don't. And I think it's sad. Well, it's not that we don't develop our potential. We let those around us tell us what our potential is. So we deflect to those around us because They've been here longer. They are the gurus. They, they know what we should be doing. And it's not the case. We, as a person, as an individual, has to reach out to get to our potential. I agree with you. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. And we have to learn how to do that. And we have to learn to, how to do that, not in a self-punishing way, 
or a self-critical way, but in a self-parenting way. Mm -hmm. And so many of us do have to reparent ourselves because we didn't grow up under the best, most nurturing circumstances for developing our potentials. Mm -hmm. So we have to do that for ourselves. One of the best stories I've heard, and this is a real life thing, it was one of my best friends. He grew up on the streets, homeless, living behind trash cans, and he's now a multimillionaire uh, CEO of several companies. It's not the potential his parents. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's a large system. Uh, <laughs> um, his parents didn't teach him what his potential is. His people around him didn't teach him what his potential is. His drive for himself taught him his potential. He accessed it in himself. And that's what we each and every one of us need to do. We've got to do it for ourselves. And what we do for ourselves, that is so very, very important. Yes, we need teachers. Yes, we need mentors. And I learned this actually when I was training in Taekwondo. And um, I realized that you've got to go to class and you've got to learn what the teacher teaches you. But you also got to go home and practice. You do. You can have the best teachers, the best life coaches, the best um, spiritual guides out there. But if you're not practicing what they're teaching you, you're not going to get any benefit out of it. You've got to do your homework. <laughs> you do. It, it, uh, I was just a part of a council panel a few months two months ago and they touched on the same thing there was a guy who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on life coaching on reading materials to motivate himself to do stuff and he never did anything until i think it was he was did this cycle for 15 years and finally he realized he has to practice what he's learning that's right. And you also, not only that, a teacher can teach you, but you still got to find your own best way. Mm -hmm. That too. And, and as a teacher, that's what I want for my students. I don't want them to do it my way. My way is the way I figured out. Well, no, you've got to go forward. You've got to find your mm -hmm. own way and you've got to help develop things and you've got to help make a contribution. You can't just depend on others to cut the path. And then you just follow the path. Plus, where's the fun in that? I love the creativity. I don't follow the beaten path. I don't. I go, okay, here's the easy path. I'm going to go over here through the dark, scary woods. <laughs> Find a few walls to run into <laughs> and go around it or climb it or whatever. Because that's how you learn. That's how you stay on the path that you meant to is by putting the challenges. If everything is handed to you, A, you're going to lose interest. B, you're going to get bored. And C, you're going to get to the end of whatever you're doing and go, well, this wasn't fun at all. Yeah. And or you're going to say, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are somewhat depressed and going, what's the meaning of life? It's like, well, it doesn't matter what the meaning of life is. What, what matters right now is the purpose of life. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of life is to learn. 
And what you're really learning, what you're really, really learning, and this is in everyday magic and every book that I write, is you're learning how to be you. That's what you're learning. You came here to be you. Now, how do you get to be the best you possible? And right. the best you possible isn't the same as the best me possible. So you've got to learn your, for yourself and you've got to find your own path. And how great to have teachers who can shine light on the panorama, but you're still going to have to do it yourself. But how wonderful, how wonderful. Yeah, you can't compare your life to, okay, if you're 40 years old, you're working at Walmart and you're depressed, okay, because you see all these successful CEOs that started college at 18. So what do you do? You can stay in this depressed thing or you can go to back to school. It's called night school. That's right. Change what is negative about your life. You have to do it for you. Back when I was 18, I'll tell you right now, I did not want to go to college. I had opportunities to go to college, but a part of me was not ready. I didn't know what I wanted in life at 18. How many 18-year-olds out there actually know what they want out of life? Exactly. And I think it's weird because children have to choose even younger than 18 which track they want to go on in life because they have to start doing those subjects during this high school career. Yeah. And it's like, how can you choose so young? And what is this mill where you go from one kind of school to another kind of school to college? When do you get out into the world so you can fight, learn more about the world and therefore about yourself and therefore find out what you really want to do? And I think that the most powerful careers are the ones where people have come back when they're older and chosen again, mm-hmm. either a second career or then decided now I'm going to go to college or now I'm going to do the training and they've discovered what they really want. Right. It was 18 hours wanting to be a restaurant manager, owning my own restaurant, you know, on that career path. Well, I'm a further thing away from a restaurant tier that you can get. <laughs> <laughs> but I started my life when I decided I wanted to start my life, quit living for these around me. Right. And that is, that, that's so exactly it. So exactly it. Mm-hmm. So we touched the base a little bit on guided lessons. So what led you to this book specifically? Guided lessons, um, that actually a student on our Alexander training course. So the Alexander technique, it's a hands-on technique. We put our hands on people and we guide them through a new postural or body psychophysical dynamic of themselves. And what it's for is for changing patterns of um, movement, patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking. Uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, technique, the Alexander technique. And many people attribute, uh, say about the Alexander Technique, they say, oh, it saved my life. And I would be one of those people. The Alexander Technique saved my life. And it can save your life literally in the sense that you, because you think quicker, your reflexes are better. You can actually do something to literally save your life. But I think most of us mean it a bit more metaphorically where we're saying, 
what my life would have been if I hadn't found the Alexander Technique is completely different from what it is now. And I am in that category for sure. I found it when I was 20 years old and I found it because I had very, very, very bad posture. Um, and then uh, my teacher, because I was training in psychology, she asked me if I'd like to train as an Alexander teacher. And I went, oh my goodness, I'd never have the cheek, I mean, the audacity to try and teach someone else uh, something about this. But actually the Alexander technique is about thinking primarily because what you think is what you get. Mm -hmm. And to explain that a little bit better, I can tell you, if you think to yourself, I wanna go up those stairs, you don't have to think anything more than that. You need the intention. I wanna walk up the stairs and then your brain knows how to send the myriad of messages through to all the different cells of your body to get you walking up the stairs. All you needed to do was make the decision. So then what you think is what you get. Now, where the, where the clarity comes in about what you think is what you get is if you imagine that you're expecting another step, what happens to your body as you do that extra step that you imagined was there and then you crash into the ground and you see that your entire nervous system, your entire muscular system, your entire being was prepared for what you thought. Mm -hmm. That's very, very important to extrapolate from that and to get all the implications and extrapolations of what we think is what we get. And then you look at the Alexander technique and you see this is a method for training you to actually reduce all the inter interference, all the noise that prevents your brain from getting that message through to the rest of you. You know, there's perfect wiring from here mm -hmm. unless it's been damaged. And it does get damaged and it still can be really excellent wiring even then, but otherwise it's perfectly wired to get from here to all the rest of us. And what all we need to do is reduce the interference, reduce the interference, reduce the interference. That is the Alexander technique. How do you get to that purity of what you think is what you get? And it's a wonderful technique. Firstly, it feels fabulous. People say, oh, this is better than a massage. Um, secondly, it's a learning, but feels like a therapy, but it's actually a learning. It's, a, it's, a, it's an education. It's a neuromuscular re-education. And um, it's, just, it's just the most fabulous, fabulous, fabulous technique. So my husband and I, we have an Alexander training course. We still do, but right now, of course, it's, it's dormant. Yeah, and everything's dormant because of COVID. Yeah, and, 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 and the impact on us. And, um, and this was a student on our Alexander training course for her, uh, for her dissertation. She decided to do this book, Guided Lessons. And then uh, the way it was done was very much the way a student would do a project. Mm -hmm. And so a few years later, my husband and I said, come, let's, let's fix this book. Let's, let's, let's make it a really good Alexander Technique book. And we updated it and we put in new photographs and we really, we really um, redid the book. And at that time, because I basically helped with the writing of the content and guided them with how to make the book, I got my name on the cover as well. Um, and it was, so it was a, a group project that three of us did together. And that was guided lessons for students of the Alexander Technique. Well, some of our best, 
our best lessons, our best textbooks have more than one author? I think so. And I, I did. And I love that you said that, ML. I love that you said that. I remember saying to an architect client of mine back in South Africa and and, and I said, you know, you don't want to ever learn anything from only one teacher. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and I said, well, look, you're an architect. Did you learn from only one teacher? And he said, I guess not. I said, no, you don't want to learn someone else's method. You want to learn the principles. You want to learn creativity. You want to learn ideas, um, especially in something where inventiveness is required. You do want that exposure to multiple minds. Yes, um, because no human being is anything more than a human being. No, and the thing is, sometimes you don't start learning stuff until you're 30 years old. You can't, yeah, right. You you have to learn at first. You have to learn when you're ready to learn. You can't just. My daughter is autistic, and I use her on a lot of my podcasts. She will not learn something until she's ready to learn it. I can teach her the fundamentals. I can teach her anything I want, but she's not going to obtain the information and learn it until she's ready. So we put the message into a book or into a medium that they can go back to at any time. And then the person, the individual, my daughter in this case, can go back later on when they're ready to learn it. That's right. And with those, with those compendiums, those books, you can go back again and again because there's so many layers of learning. And, um, and we go back when we're ready and we perceive, you know, we have selective perception and we have to have selective perception. And so at different times, we're ready to perceive different aspects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that that readiness inside us is a very important dynamic. I like that you're talking about that. I appreciate it. I, I mean, everything is the multiple layers of learning. Correct. Um, I'm a fantasy author. And oh. if you read my book the first time, you're going to get a completely different message than if you read it five or six times. Exactly. exactly. Because you're reading something completely different. Well, then I'm building layers. You build layers by building volumes or a series. So you reread the series and you're completely learning something different again. We put this into fantasy books. We put this into nonfiction books. We put this into life. Perception is everything. Perception is your reality. When you change your perception, then you change your reality. Exactly. 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 And then we, and we go from there and because we build our future on what we perceive to be our reality. So that's where the self-fulfilling prophecies come in. Yes. I mean, if you are living in a HUD-owned house, you're living at a dead-end job, and you're not happy, well, what's your perception that would make you happy? What is it that's holding you back? Nine out of 10 times is yourself. What's your spending habits? Who are you hanging around with? And what can you do to change it? Good questions. Good questions. And 
and it's that moment when we can stop and ask ourselves those questions. That's our everyday magic moment. The moment when we realize I'm the one with the power, actually, nobody's doing this to me. I'm keeping myself like this. Oh my God, hold on a second. I'm gonna okay. throw my phone out here in a second. <laughs> the only thing on is my, is actually my alarm system that says, oh, look, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. It's time to get up now. Now I'm on, I live in the East Coast. I work on the Pacific Standard Time. So this oh. is literally my, my 11 o'clock wake up to call. Literally. <laughs> if anyone can understand my wake up, my sleep schedule, please tell me because I don't know my sleep schedule half the time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but this is the life I choose to live because this is what makes me happy. I'm preparing myself for the next stage of my life when I'm actually on Pacific Standard Time. Oh, are you moving? I am moving. Oh. So rather than giving myself a week or a month to adjust to being on a different time zone, I just live on the time zone now. It makes perfect sense to me because everyone I work with is on that time zone. <laughs> oh, oh, that works. Yeah. So it works. This is how I perceive my life. I live on a time zone where I'm moving instead of, oh, I have to adjust when I get out there. No, 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 no. There's no adjusting. I just do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I mean, it really, it does make sense to people if you think about it, because I'm preparing for what I want, not planning for what I want and never getting there. I'm preparing for what I want. And you know, that brings me to another point is we, we, we always get confused, which is the cart and which is the horse. Mm -hmm. And so most people will say, first I'll move to PST. And when I'm there, that's when I'll convert. And you're saying, no, if I convert, then I'll be able to move there. Mm -hmm. And so you've changed in your mind, which is the cart and which is the horse. Mm -hmm. And by making the adjustment, you are working with that concept I was talking about. What you think mm -hmm. is what you get. Yes. And the thing is, I had to change that perception because back before the newer outbreak of COVID, we were ready to open everything for my beautiful company that I work for. So it was, I have to be ready to be in my office then. Well, then we get the next COVID outbreak and everything gets stalled again. But at the same time, I'm preparing myself for that day. And what magic are you finding in these um, delays? And, you know, I think that almost everybody has, uh, can identify something that's yes. happened because of yes, COVID. See, the delays are here for a reason. Sometimes yeah. I don't find the reason yet. And it's frustrating and puts me into a mood. And then I'm like, wait, I found better pricing for my company for the machines. We have found better employees. We have found uh, 
my personal life is bonding me with my partner a lot better because we're having this delay. We're not rushing a relationship because we are forced to slow down. So you found the everyday magic in the moment. Mm -hmm. Every and day is a different challenge, but at the same time, every challenge is leading you to the life that you perceive that you want to have. Yes, and in hidden ways that you can't even appreciate until mm -hmm. you look back and then you say, hindsight has 2020 vision. Yes. I mean, 2020. I, 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 I mean, seriously, we're in 2020. It's forcing us to step back and find our everyday magic. It is, yeah. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you? You can find me very, very easily. Um, you can find me at crystalhealingtechniques.com and you can find me at chaparra.com. And uh, the thing about me is I'm the one and only person with my name in the world and therefore on Google. And so if you can spell my name correctly, you can find me very, very easily, all the different uh, things that I do. Vivian Shapera, S-C-H-A-P-E-R-A. And I'm very easy to find. I'm the one and only, which is rather amazing. Yes, and when you're the symbolic. one and only with the name, it's so easy to find you. That's it. You're no longer looking for the needle on the haystack. You're trying to find that one piece of silver in a mound of rubies. There you go. And my, but my best website is crystalhealingtechniques.com. And that is the one where my new book, The Complete Guide to Crystal Surgery can be found and you can view it. It's an amazing, amazing textbook about energy healing and um, a new way to do crystal healing. Uh, it's an, a unique book. It's a reference book. I just won an award for it in the education reference um, category, education reference category of the IAN Book of the Year Awards. And um, I'm very, very proud of my team that we put this book together. It was a very difficult book to do. We had to draw the energy and we had to turn 5D into 2D. It was enormously challenging, enormously mm -hmm. confronting task. Um, we, and there's a website, there's a YouTube channel, there's a huge amount of information that goes with it. And I can really say this is very serious work that I've put 25 years of research into. So please, I'd love for people to come visit and even just view the PDF of the book just to see what came about. This is brand new, this is groundbreaking territory. Um, there is no other book about metaphysical um, studies that equals this one. It is absolutely unique. It is extraordinary. And there is a huge amount of information in there that is not available anywhere else, including energy anatomy and other energy dynamics, explanations of the etheric web, beautiful, beautiful illustrations that, uh, that, that my artist Mary Beth did just fantastic. We worked on that together. We got help from the spirit dimension. My son who passed came and helped with the drawings. He's a fabulous artist. And he showed us how to do the drawings and diagrams. So you get this extraordinary manifestation from across dimensions, a huge team of people that we had to put together to do this. 
and uh, it, it's an amazing, amazing book. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I could only find one uh, book competition to enter into, and we did um, reach the finals and did get an award in that one book competition. Because once again, I wrote a book for a tiny audience and a book that doesn't fit into any category previously because it's a brand new, absolutely amazing. When you're writing groundbreaking text. stuff, that's when you know you're onto something. Yes. Because now you have to train millions of people to come to that one thing. That's right. That's right. But it was so yeah. great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much. And for all of our listeners, happy reading. <laughs>